Welcome to Lift Off with Energizing Results, the podcast that can help you become a better partner in your family and a self-propelled leader with inner certainty in your business. Now, here's your host, Uwe Dockhorn. Welcome to Lift Off with Energizing Results. Let me start with an invitation again before we dive in. This is a safe and neutral space here. The more open and honest you answer the questions that will come up to yourself, the more effective this will be for you. Sound good? Okay, here we go. Today, I want to introduce you to Jordan Goldridge. As a master corporate executive coach, Jordan works with senior executives who have an uncommon desire for results, who lead their teams and accomplish the mission. Sometimes they are experienced as abrasive and occasionally perceived as bullying. He helps them drive results without damaging relationships. As COO, Jordan helped build a healthcare company from four employees to 65 and a sale to a large insurance company. He has over 35 years experience working successfully with Fortune 500 and closely held companies. He is an executive coach with the Center for Creative Leadership. Jordan is founder and CEO of Workplace Warrior, a consulting firm which provides executive coaching and leadership development. He is co-author of the Amazon bestseller Workplace Warrior, People Skills for the No Bullshit Executive. Welcome, Jordan. I'm very excited to have you here today. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Uwe. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise, likewise. Great. So let's, let's jump right in. So in your book, you say that we need people who are experienced as abrasive or even called bullies. Why is that? Well, Uwe, would you agree that we live in very volatile, volatile complex, crazy times? Absolutely, definitely. And would you agree that the international uh, marketing and uh, economy and competition is, has gotten really, really uh, disruptive? We live in disruptive times. I second that. Absolutely. So in my experience, what is required are leaders who are solely focused on results and success Uh, I, I refer to them as uncommon, but another way of talking about it is even the top performers wonder where they get the energy to keep going. They're, they're always in the fight. They never give up. They take charge. They lead their teams. And they accomplish the mission. And one of the side effects of that is that they are sometimes experienced as abrasive or as even bullies. It's It's sort of a... Uh, side effect of their focus on results and focus on success. Sometimes they even are, you know, they're imperfect human beings, so they go over the line and they, they may be even disrespectful and demeaning and, and get called names like bully and jerk as well. So, but I think we need them for success. I think we need people who can, who are that committed in order to be successful in our current society. Mm -hmm. I understand. So I think uh, if I'm correct, so um, we're talking also about kind of like, you know, if we want to put them up as a role model, so Steve Jobs is kind of like a role model in that regard. Would you agree? 
Well, you know, Steve Jobs, yeah, that's a great question. Steve Jobs uh, sort of went beyond, I'd say, uh, crossed the line in terms of what you can get away with in most organizations. But people stayed with him because he was so brilliant. So it gets to one of the secrets of how do you live and work with somebody like that, which is you have to make a decision or make a determination that what you're getting from being there is worth what you have to put up with. And that gets you out of the position of being a victim. You, you are now a target and you are deciding whether or not to put up with it and because of what it is you're getting. So yeah, Steve Jobs is, is a good example. Mm, okay, I see. So can, can you dive a little, a little deeper what it means to have, you, sp you, you spoke earlier about an uncommon desire for results and uh, I would like to know why it matters regarding the relationships um, these executives have. When you're talking about with their uh, co-workers or with their spouse or with who? Well, both. I think, you know, relationship in, at work, but also uh, at home. Yeah. So one of my experiences, so I, I think I talked with you about this as we got to know each other a bit. Um, I am, I, I come from a very loud New York family. And I also grew up in a New York City housing project, which was built for returning World War II veterans. So I grew up around working class people very direct, very direct communication style. And so in my family, when we were talking to each other, people sometimes thought we were fighting. No, we were just talking to each other. You know, it's sort of like if you think of it as a different language. So that's one piece of it. A second piece of it is that the people who tend to be experienced this way have their self-esteem. They don't feel good about themselves unless they are creating great results. And what we now know is that when you there's a threat to your self-esteem, meaning how you feel about yourself, how you judge yourself, that the physiological reaction in your body is the same or, or at least very similar to what would happen if somebody held a knife against your throat in a, you know, in a dark alley. It, it, it is experienced by your body and your body reacts to it as if it were a threat to your life. And there's a tendency to either run away, freeze, or strike out. And these folks tend to strike out. They tend to, they tend to behave in ways that, um, you know, they're really responding to what they experience as an insult or as an attack. Although it's totally not unreasonable to experience them as being disrespectful, bullying, and very difficult to deal with. So those would be the two things. So, and regarding their the relationship at home, so how does this translate? Is it impossible for them to change their behavior, you know, from work to um, when being at home? Well, you got to work on it. Um, I am married to a woman who is every bit as direct as I am. And we came up with a philosophy that I'd like to share around this. It, it, it's one of the few things that I've come up with that are, you know, mine and ours. And I'm very proud of it. And that was uh, two years ago, she was facing cancer surgery. And uh, 
as we got into it for you know for those of your members of the audience who know there's a stage called denial and we went through about you know six to eight weeks of oh okay we got to deal with it then all of a sudden we were driving around in the car and we started like really sniping at each other and all of a sudden it hit hit me i i know why we're doing this we're, we're out of denial we're into anger mm. so she laughed and i laughed and but it started a conversation about what it is that we do that annoys each other and both of us are annoyed by the other one's tendency to tell us what they think they should do. I, I like to call it making well-meaning but unsolicited suggestions about how I could be more effective and efficient. Mm. And um, anyway, as that conversation went on uh, and, and we got into how, how much we actually annoy each other, we came up with this great philosophy, and that is, if you meet somebody that number one, you're attracted to number two, that you love number three, who you respect and number four, that you trust. In other words, you believe that they are committed to your relationship and that they will treat you honestly and respectfully. If you meet that person, you have a choice. You can choose not to be with them and be alone the rest of your life, or you can choose to be with them and be annoyed for the rest of your life. And after we figured out that uh, marriage is about uh, whether or not you're more or less annoyed than you are happy, um, things got a lot better. So, so one of the things that I, I think there are, I, by the way, I am a therapist. I, I mm. did marriage and family therapy for about 13 years or so. And really, regardless of what the two personality styles are whether they're you know whether they're both uh, kind of polite and nice or they're both uh, abrasive or they're you know one is one and one is the other uh, typically there's a lot of stuff that annoys people and so really great relationships are not about being comfortable all the time there's a good deal of annoyance involved and and once we accepted that you know she now tells me she now tells me uh, she doesn't want to be annoyed any, by anybody but me. If, that's when I'm annoying her. And mm. So that's really helped a great deal. Mm. I see. So when, when I work with, uh, with, with couples, so it's going to just come up to mind is, you know, when it's kind of like when they're entering some, some darker waters, uh, you know, do you want to stay together or not? So if you want to stay together, then there's always a way in dealing with that. Well, you agree with that, right? Absolutely. I think, I think you're getting to the same place, yes. Yeah. So, and before I ask Jordan, what are the, you know, the steps at work someone needs to take to change their style, let me quickly say this to our audience. If you are enjoying the show, the show so far, Please rating, recommend us to someone you think could benefit from the show. Thank you in advance for spreading the word. So, John, what are the steps someone needs to take at work to change their style? Well, the first thing is that a lot of people who are experienced as abrasive or perceived as abrasive, even bullying and disrespectful, don't quite get how other people are reacting to them. And in my experience, when I coach them, 
one of the things I do is I interview somewhere between on the low end six to eight and on the high end 15 to 20 of their key stakeholders. And that would be uh, reports, it could be peers, it would be superiors, it could be customers. And typically I'll, you know, I'll, I'll ask them to communicate and say they're getting executive coaching and I want to mm. get great straight feedback. Would you, would you, is it okay if my coach contacts you? And I will tell you that with rare exceptions, they are shocked at the level of impact that they have on other people's lives. And there are people out there who are like, well, you know, that's just, you know, it, I was one of those people, by the way. So I'm sure it was like, well, that's just Jordan. I, you know, he doesn't mean anything. And then there are people who are, man, I, I have to meditate before I go into his office or her office or what have you. So they are shocked at the, lar at the large amount of feedback and impact that they're having. Mm. Along with that, um, and by the way, part of the reason they're shocked is that they, they don't read other people well, but the second reason that they're shocked is that their boss and their HR people and their coworkers don't tell them. And part of the reason they don't tell them is that they're conflict avoidant. And the other reason they don't tell them is they're afraid of uh, really annoying them and then they'll leave because typically they're really valuable. So that, that is a, that's a big part of it. Mm. By the way, this is a long story. So feel free to break in and ask questions or make comments anywhere along the line. No, I think it's all, it's all great. And it, it reminds me that, you know, I, I do something uh, sim very similar with uh, my clients. And I call this, um, it's kind of like a 360 degrees analysis where they, um, it's kind of like a preparation, but I give them four questions and they have to interview, uh, make the interview by themselves. So yes. they experience it by themselves, not uh, I'm conducting the interviews, so they are doing the interviews. And yes. then we go into the session and then we just uh, go through and identify their blind spots where, where they really couldn't see, oh, this is something I wasn't aware of and it's really negative. And so, and uh, just accumulating to what you said. And it's really yes. uh, ast astonishing what, uh, what realizations will come out of something like that. And speaking of realizations, I think you, you mentioned it um, a bit earlier. So I'm sure there were some setbacks in your life too. So what were those struggles and what did you learn from them? Well, I, as I said, I, I was one of those, those people. I have a tendency to be extremely direct. And especially when I'm brainstorming out loud, I sound like I'm telling people what to do. So if you and I were having a conversation and you said, Jordan, what do you think about this? I might say, you know what we should do? We should do this, which is how my family would talk. But everybody in my family got that you were thinking out loud. No, wait a minute. What about this? Oh, yeah. Well, no, wait a minute. <laughs> we, <coughs> we go back and forth. Well, you do that to somebody, particularly if you're an executive, you do that to somebody who is not at your level and they feel like you, know, you just told them to shut up and you're wrong. So, um, yeah, so, so that was what I did and I got away with it for many, many years. It worked in a uh, fast growing entrepreneurial firm and I was in two different ones. In the first one, I was a director. And then in the second one, um, I was the chief operations officer. And the other thing was I knew I, I, I kind of knew I was difficult. So I gave people permission to give me the time out. 
and I, I acknowledge that I, you know, that particularly when I'm stressed, I can sound disrespectful. So if I'm, I, I don't know if uh, what the timeout signal is in soccer, but in, in, uh, in the United States, the timeout signal is, uh, you know, one hand up and the other hand bouncing on top of it. And one, you know, the fingers pointed up. So I gave people permission to give me the timeout signal. And, um, uh, and they would, you know, and I, I would work at shutting up. And one of the promises I made is I'll never punish you for that. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean I'm going to stop, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not promising I'm going to, you know, but I am promising you will never be evaluated badly because you gave me the timeout signal. What was interesting is the professional staff never did it, but the administrative staff would give me the timeouts all the time. So, you know, in that regard, just remember that um, coming from, from, you know, from the family background, we had this open culture of also telling like it is. So I'm quite used to that too. And when I started working corporate, I really had troubles. And I think that's maybe also one of the reasons why I never just uh, grew warmer in, in corporate and working uh, there for myself. So I really chose uh, very early on the, uh, the, the road as an entrepreneur. But um, well, anyway, so I think that we have in common com- coming from, we call it our, you know, we call it uh, in, in our family, there was this saying, so, oh, we're just like the Adams family, kind of like, well, we're totally different right. <laughs> right. in that regard. So, but, but thank you for sharing. So let, let me quickly finish up how this all connects. So, so the way it all connects is uh, after my company got bought about three and a half years into it, I got fired for mismanaging my budget. And I knew that something was wrong because I knew there was something wrong with my budget and I had asked for a breakdown of the overhead, which was the problem, and I never got it. So about a week later, I bumped into the woman from the finance function who had been my consultant on my budget. I bumped into her in a coffee shop and she came over and she said, Jordan, I owe you an apology. And I said, really, why? And she said, well, you know how for the last three, four months you've been asking me for a breakdown of your overhead? or what's wrong with your overhead? And I've looked at you like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, and you notice how you uh, asked me a couple of times for a breakdown of your overhead and I never gave it to you. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, I knew exactly what was wrong, but I was told by our boss that if I gave it to you, I would lose my job. Mm. So at that moment, I knew I'd been set up. I was uh, angry. I felt victimized and I hate doing that. So I do what... I was trained to do and now work with my executive clients to do when stuff like this happens is focus on what you controlled. Mm. And I had to admit that I knew that my boss wanted more deference from me and I just wasn't going to spend the time to give it to her. I wasn't, you know, profane. I wasn't unprofessional, but you could tell from my tone of voice and she could tell that I didn't respect her. Mm. And I had to admit that I had been told this before and I had uh, ignored it. And part of that was I, you know, I, I didn't use this language back then, but uh, today a, an executive would say, this is a bunch of politically correct bull. And uh, also the other thing was, is I didn't have the energy to calm myself down. And there was a piece of it that was like, uh, oh, so you're concerned about my tone of voice when you didn't perform and you didn't think this through and that sort of thing. So anyway, I decided at that moment, 
that I should treat this as if I was being smacked over the head with a two by four and uh, with, a, with a message from the universe that uh, it's time for me to make a commitment and change my behavior. And I did. And I made that commitment and about 50% of it went away. The other 50% is that, uh, I, I know you know this, Uwe, but for, you, for the purposes of your audience, uh, we now know that when we have triggered reactions in ourselves, what, if we were looking inside our brain with a functional magnetic resonance imaging machine, we would see millions of neurons firing in a pattern. Hmm. And that the, the more that neurons fire together, the more they wire together. So that uh, at, at this point, if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, uh, it's like a super highway. Mm-hmm. And you can't just make the decision, I'm going to change that. You're doing 200 miles an hour on a super highway and you turn a corner and there's a deer. You can't, you know, you're not going to have the time to decide not to do it. It's going to be out of your mouth before you have a shot. Mm-hmm. So part of what you have to do if you want to change this behavior is number one, you need to make a commitment to change it. And then number two, you have to figure out how is your brain wired? What are your triggers? And you actually have to work on building a new neural pathway. Hmm. So this, this happened in 1998, about 20 years ago. Uh, people who knew me back then think I'm a whole different person. Hmm. People who know me now think, um, you know, Jordan, you could be a little bit more diplomatic and tactful. But so it's a journey. You never get rid of that. Real, you know, you don't get rid of who you are. But I have gotten it. I, the practice has been, it's sort of like exercise if you're hmm. learning how to play tennis, for instance, or soccer. When you first get out there, it, you know, it's not in your bones. It's not, uh, uh, it just, you know, it is, isn't inside of you. And after a while, you know, it's like you can do it without thinking most of the time, but you still make mistakes periodically. So that, that would be the analogy. Hmm. No, I agree with you. Absolutely. So, and I like, I love the analogy about, you know, driving with 200 miles an hour and you have to want to change direction. That's not possible in, in, in a, on a highway like that, so uh, definitely not uh, recommended. So, but let me ask you this: um, How did this affect your close uh, relationship with uh, with your wife in that time? Well, I met my wife. And this is a second marriage for me, mm-hmm. and uh, the first marriage did not break up because of this. The first marriage broke up because we we we. we my wife my wife took me out for dinner. Uh, following the signing of our divorce decree and we sat around and we talked about what were the misunderstandings we had about each other that led us to realize that we were not a good match and she was a therapist too and um i don't know about 45 minutes into this conversation i said what were we thinking and she said we were we were in love we were stupid So we, we ended up, uh, you know, breaking up quite friendly. It was really, we just weren't a match. Uh, Deborah and I, uh, she had also been through another relationship, and we spent a lot of time up front talking about um, what's the worst stuff you're going to find out about me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even with that, you know, we've, we, we've been together now about 13 years, and uh, the last two years when she got cancer, that really... Mm. made a made a big difference not that not that we were having trouble but it really brought us closer 
And again, we had that conversation where we, where we recognized in a very direct way how much we uh, ignore each other. So at this point, you know, she'll walk into the house and say something that normally would just trigger me. And I know that if she goes, if I just shut up, because she's introverted, so she has to think about it for a while. So if I know if I just shut up, somewhere between a half hour and two hours later, she'll come out of her office or, you know, she's whatever she's doing, she'll come over and she'll say, you know, that was really uncalled for. I, I apologize. And I'll go, well, I appreciate you saying that. But I, I so know that it's not about me. It's how she manages herself and that it's just if i want to be with her i'm going to accept that mm. and i on the other hand am perfect and never do anything that annoys her mm. i think it's always important to to understand in a relationship so so whose problem is it uh, actually so and to have that uh, differentiation between uh, what's uh, what it is <clears throat> that you can influence and what it is uh, that your partner has influence on Right. Would you agree on that? I would agree. And I know that you do a lot of work with uh, very high pressured executives like I do, and you do more work with the family. So right. is that something that you find? Absolutely. So it's, you know, I have this, uh, you know, besides uh, the, the process I, I walked them through in my program, it's, it's all about, you know, bringing them into their own independence. It's kind of like the second phase coming from their dependence, you know, uh, state. When we grow up, you know, we, we are, or when we come into this life, we are dependent. And, you know, every day we evolve into the next phase, uh, of course, being independent. And only after, even in a relationship, in a, in a, work, in, in a marriage, of course, uh, you have to find and each and every one of the partners have to find their own independence first. And after that, they automatically can start to see eye to eye respectfully and grow into an interdependent relationship, which is so important. So then you can really face being eye to eye and say to each other, well, now I understand where I'm coming from, what my problems are, but I understand so much better what your problems are and how I can support you and vice versa. Yeah. That, yeah. No, I'm just agreeing with you. I think, I think that's completely right on. So that's, that's where, where the importance uh, of uh, having your own independence come into play and also understanding to, you know, whose problem is it actually here that you're dealing with? Is it something that is uh, still your own independent, uh, your own dependence? Or is it something uh, that your partner has, um, is dependent on? And, you know, typically in, in these uh, high achiever relationships, you have one part who is the provider essentially, and there is this... Uh, dynamic uh, that uh, the spouse at home feels more and more abandoned, you know, and falling back. So, and that increases, of course, over time, the more successful the provider of the family uh, gets. And so, therefore, what I do is really helping them to um, get back their family mojo and uh, find uh, their, uh, their relationship eye to eye. Yes, very nice. Makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So, so do you have any uh, tips for enhancing your relationship with your spouse? If you have a very direct communication style or are living with someone with a very direct communication style? 
Well, not much more than what I said and what you just said, which is um, figure out what it is that you're dealing with, recognize that there are no perfect relationships and that you know part of being with somebody that you love and care about and respect and trust is that they're going to annoy you a lot. Mm. Um, I, I would say you, you started talking about uh, rec- you know, moving from dependency to independent to interdependent. Mm-hmm. And um, let me just reinforce what you said, which is that, you know, I'm, I'm an older guy, okay? And I've, I've been through a lot of therapy and I've worked on myself. And um, at this stage of my life, I know what my uh, vulnerabilities are and I know what can happen in the environment that gets me to doubt myself. And so one of the key tricks is that you have to get above that and notice that when your spouse or your partner is doing something that's triggering that kind of feeling, that that's for you to manage. It's not about you. Mm. And um, by the way, you can also tell them what it is that's getting triggered Mm. in you so that they at least understand. So there are sometimes that, for instance, my wife will, my wife uh, is the uh, manager of safety and training for the city of San Diego. Mm -hmm. And, um, her whole life, she's, she's been a trainer in a prison. She's been a trainer in the court system. So she's extremely direct about what the law is, the way it uh-huh. should be done, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I sometimes laugh about, uh, she, she, because she's now in safety, there's a new set of rules about how you're supposed to hand, hold the steering wheel. Uh-huh. And, and when you drive, and it took her about six months to get me to change how I was driving because I I just wasn't interested in having anybody tell me how to drive, you know? (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's, and and there was a piece of it that was like my parents saying, you don't know what you're doing. Mm. Um, And so, you know, you have to be able to get above that, look at it and realize, you know, that's just my conditioning. Her intention is, you know, uh, her, her intention is positive. And, and by the way, she turned out to be right. So um, I hate when that happens. Isn't that great, right? <laughs> <laughs> really, really what it is, just in case your audience is wondering. So I grew up learning that your hands go at 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock on the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Well, well, now that we have airbags, if the airbag pops with your, uh, with your hands at 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock on the steering wheel, you're going to smash the person next to you in the face and you're going to break your wrist on the window next on the other side. Mm. And so now they want you to be minimally at nine o'clock at three o'clock, but they really want you to be at, uh, uh, eight and what is it? Eight and, uh, and, and four. Something eight, like eight, that? Yeah. Right. Eight and four. So, um, and, and it took me a while to, to be able to drive like that. Um, and I, I'm now good enough at it, but I, but I do find I was, uh, drove over a mountain, uh, narrow mountain road last night. And, uh, there's no way I was going to drive with my hands down there. I was too wired in. So I drove the other way cause I really needed to be careful around those curves. <laughs> so, so I think that's the general principle. 
Thank you, Jordan. So let me let me just um, pivot a little bit to a, to a different question that I always ask my um, my guests is. Um, when was the last time you experienced goosebumps with your wife and why? Ooh, you know, I have to say we're, we're, she's uh, three months older than I am. We're both going to be 68. And everybody tells me not to say that. Um, but I, I don't feel 68. But um, we've gotten to the stage where... Uh, great intimacy is sitting on the couch together and uh, watching TV and falling asleep with my arm around her. And, um, uh, you know, there have been certainly those other moments, but I would say that uh, the moment that the time that I like best is at that moment. It's not exactly goof goosebumps, but it, it really is just, you know, complete comfort, and safety and peace. Mm, I love it. Well, maybe there's a, t you know, you can find a way to discover on a little, little adventure and find out where to get your goosebumps. I can highly recommend having goosebumps is, is <laughs> the elixir. It's the elixir. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Well, we get, we get goosebumps every now and again. That's great. Just, I think just, just look at it, if I may, may, may tell, tell sure. you this. Just look at it and, <laughs> and expand on it, maybe, if that would be something you would love to do. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. So before we um, wrap this up, I, I quickly want to ask you also, what was um, the one advice that you would give to our high-achieving uh, listeners well, the major piece of advice, and it's the last piece that I didn't cover in How Do You Change, um, there's a executive coach named Marshall Goldsmith who wrote a book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And it really is about finding out what your stakeholders, your reports, your peers, your superiors want to see from you. So it's the piece that you describe, which is go around and ask. And... Uh, find out what they want. You're not allowed to argue. Uh, what you do is you basically say, I, I want to be a better leader or I want to build great relationships, whatever it is that you're working on. And what would you, what, what would you think that I should uh, do in the next three to six months so that you would say I've really improved? And they'll, tell you, they'll start telling you stuff. And you're, again, you're not allowed to argue. You're allowed to ask for clarification. And then do at least some of the stuff that they ask you and check in periodically. This is called feed forward as opposed to feedback. Mm -hmm. Feedback is what did I do in the past? Feed forward mm -hmm. is I got a plan. What should I do to be successful? Mm. And that is one of the most powerful things you can do is periodically check with people. What is it that I'm doing that is working? What isn't working? What should I start doing? You know, why won't this work? Et cetera. I love it. Feed forward. Awesome. That's, that's really great. So, um, so any, any uh, closing words for our audience, Jordan? Well, it's, you know, certainly it's been a real pleasure to get to know you. And uh, I think I would recommend that uh, people listen to your uh, podcast as they come up. Certainly for me, if somebody were interested in, I, I'm, I'm an executive coach 
and I am more than happy to work with executives and provide a, uh, I, I call it a, a, a strategic planning session. It's complimentary, so you could get, get there through my website, which is www.workplacewarriorinc.com, and there's a little thing you can fill out, and I'd be more than happy to spend a little time talking with you. Also, by the way, just in case you are really interested, you could go to Amazon and order a copy of my book, Workplace Warrior, People Skills for the No Bullshit Executive. Absolutely. And we will put all the links in, uh, in the show description so uh, folks can uh, really go there and find it and uh, check you out, Jordan. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, you're very welcome. Very much appreciate how you support executives in the corporate world. So, And as I said, all the details will be uh, left in the show description so people can uh, get in touch with you. And it's always a pleasure talking to you, Jordan. Thank you. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you. So next week, you will listen to Sherry Fetzer, a former nurse practitioner I help to transition to become a wellness coach. She has a podcast called Lifegasm and as a pleasure of advocate, she supports women in designing vibrant, healthy lives around the deepest pleasures and desires. Thank you for listening and as always, energizing results to you and your loved ones. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on Apple Podcast. Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at uve.corn.com.